Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. It's Friday, August 13th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Recent debates about authentic Missouri barbecue have sidelined the black pitmasters who made it an institution in the state. You know, my argument is, hey, there's a lot of different ways to make barbecue, but it's disturbing to me that there are these authority figures who have emerged recently who are saying barbecue should be done this way. We'll examine the evolution of Missouri barbecue in just a few minutes. St. Louis police are investigating a noose that a black contractor found while working on the property of an Asian American in the Benton Park neighborhood. As St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports, the owner is hoping to spark anti-racist action. The contractor spotted the noose late last week hanging from a tree in the backyard of Julia Ho, who immediately reported it. The incident follows a rise in hate crimes against Asian Americans nationwide in the last year. Ho has owned the Limp Avenue house for nearly five years. She's been working with her contractor for about a year to renovate the property. Ho is infuriated to see the noose. She says it's critical for white allies to fight racism and to support people who are targeted by it. What are they willing to do or to change, you know, about their behavior or about the neighborhood in order to make sure that this never happens again? On Saturday, Ho plans to talk to her neighbors about what happened. I'm Chad Davis, St. Louis Public Radio. The coronavirus has claimed the lives of more than 10,000 Missouri residents nearly a year and a half after the virus was first identified in the state. Alex Smith reports. Missouri's Department of Health and Senior Services reported on Thursday that 10,002 residents have died from COVID-19. However, the actual total is likely much higher because COVID tests are not required for the deceased and because reporting of deaths can be delayed by weeks or months. Almost 2,800 new COVID-19 cases are being reported each day in Missouri, and more than 2,200 residents are currently hospitalized. The pace of new cases in Missouri has slowed in recent days, but the state still has the 12th highest rate. I'm Alex Smith. A St. Louis County Councilwoman is planning to continue pushing for a mask mandate until enough people receive the COVID-19 vaccine. Lisa Clancy says she is still dismayed that council members voted down a mandate this week. She is the sponsor of that failed measure and is surprised Democratic colleagues did not support her. To continue to thumb our noses at what we are being called on by experts to do, again, to save lives, lives and livelihoods, is, is awful. It, it brings me a lot of sadness. Clancy made those comments on St. Louis on the Air. The county council rejected that mask mandate proposal on Tuesday. The downtown jail in St. Louis could require upwards of $20 million in renovations. The Post-Dispatch reports Public Safety Director Dan Isom provided that estimate to a Citizen Advisory Committee. Most of the money would go toward repairing cell locks and a new control system for the city justice center. The newspaper reports the city's budget director says the money could come from capital funds and the American Rescue Plan Act. There have been several cases of unrest at the jail over the past few months. Detainees were able to get out of some cells because of problems with the locks. The U.S. Census Bureau has released the first set of detailed information from the 2020 census. The data include the information state lawmakers need for congressional and state-level redistricting. In April, the Bureau announced Illinois would lose one congressional seat 
and Missouri would stay even. Lawmakers in both states can now start to draw new legislative boundaries using the census data. Many Missourians say one of the state's greatest contributions to the world is barbecue. But a barbecue historian argues recent debates over authentic barbecue ignore how it became an institution in Missouri. Mackenzie Martin reports from Kansas City. At any given moment in St. Louis, racks of pork spare ribs are grilling next to sizzling rib tips and juicy pork steaks. And some lucky customer is trying their very first snoot, which, for the uninitiated, is a St. Louis delicacy that falls somewhere between a pork skin and a slice of bacon. Across the state in Kansas City, pitmasters are smoking up all the meats, from tender beef brisket and succulent pieces of chicken to the city's most iconic dish, flavorful burnt ends. While they're two distinctive styles in many ways, St. Louis and Kansas City are united by their obsession with a sweet yet tangy tomato-based barbecue sauce. But what we think of as barbecue today isn't the same kind of barbecue that existed 200 years ago. Up until the late 1800s, barbecuing consisted of digging a trench, filling it up with hardwood coals, and cooking whole animals. Because barbecue was so labor-intensive, you know, the racial etiquette for a lot of our history is that if there's a lot of work to be done for something, make Black people do it. Adrian Miller is a certified barbecue judge and the author of the recent book, Black Smoke, African Americans and the United States of Barbecue. He says some of the first people who made barbecue in this country were enslaved Native Americans and African Americans. It was actually Black barbecue ambassadors from West Tennessee who first brought barbecue to places like Kansas City and St. Louis. So much so that by the time you get to the, after the Civil War, you have recipes or descriptions of the barbecue process in newspapers. And, you know, there's even things saying, oh, yeah, you have to have a colored man do this, this or this to have authentic Southern barbecue. And so, you know, African-Americans are in a, in a way we're one of the ingredients for the recipe for barbecue. In spite of barbecue's origins, though. People of color have been continually pushed to the sidelines as barbecue has become mainstream. In recent years, Miller says, fine dining chefs have entered the barbecue game, and they're bringing a chef's mentality to the cuisine. We now have food media people and others redefining barbecue away from an African-American aesthetic. Let's look at Kansas City's claim to fame, our burn ends, first popularized by the late barbecue legend Arthur Bryant. Miller says that in parts of Texas and other places, these crispy shards of meat have almost been gentrified into what he calls Instagrammable, perfectly manicured cubes. So, you know, I guess the difference here is now you have a generation of diners who um, don't know the before version of burnt ends. So they're coming into, they're getting introduced to burnt ends in this gentrified way. And so that's the standard for them now. Historically, barbecuing was also a cheap way to cook delicious food for a crowd because of the way it was scalable and broke down tougher pieces of meat. But there's a new emphasis these days on using higher quality and therefore pricier meat. Miller also takes issue with claims that real barbecue should be unsauced and only seasoned with salt and pepper. Now, a lot of African-Americans, when they hear that, they're saying, says who? Uh, because the sauce is a very important part of African-American barbecue culture. That certainly goes against most barbecue joints in Missouri offering their own signature sauces. You know, my argument is, hey, there's a lot of different ways to make barbecue, but it's disturbing to me that there are these authority figures who have emerged recently 
who are saying barbecue should be done this way. Adrian Miller isn't going to kick any of these chefs out of the barbecue pit. He just wants to make it clear. Black barbecuers, pitmasters, and restaurateurs created this cuisine, and their voices always need to be in the conversation. My hope is that we can have a big picture look at barbecue and just say, hey, look, there's plenty of room for everybody at the cookout. Let's not get caught up in what authentic barbecue is. There is one fight Miller says he's excited to keep having. Who makes the best barbecue? Because that's a Missouri institution almost as old as barbecue itself. I'm Mackenzie Martin. Martin is a producer with a new podcast, Hungry for Mo. It's available at kcur.org slash hungry and other podcast platforms. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. Before wrapping up, it's Friday the 13th, and on every Friday the 13th, I think of a reporter who used to work at St. Louis Public Radio, Joseph Leahy. Back in 2014, he went into a prominent building in St. Louis looking for the 13th floor. Okay, I'm in the elevator at the historic Chase Park Plaza. Going up, we're at the 10th, 11th, 12th, 14th. No 13th. Joseph did an informal survey as part of that report, which showed out of nearly 70 skyscrapers in the St. Louis area, about 41% skip over 13 in counting their floors because of the superstition around the number 13. Most were hotels or residential properties where people stay. It's a cool story from Joseph. It's still posted on our website, stlpr.org. Joseph, by the way, now works in public radio in Texas. So beware of Friday the 13th and have a great weekend. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.